Well, good morning, Gateway family. My heart is sad that we're not able to gather in person together on the church campus like we normally do, yet there's so much for which we're thankful that we can meet together this morning over video, that we can still study God's Word together, we can still be a community of faith and touch with one another. And I'm grateful that we get this time together, and I'm grateful that you're watching this morning as we get an opportunity, like we do Sunday by Sunday, to open God's Word. Now, before we dig into God's Word this morning, CJ, our associate pastor, is here with me. And I've asked him to pray for you, the church body, and to pray for all of us as we gather together this morning. So, CJ? Let's come before the Lord. I want to declare uh, Psalm 146. Just kind of set the tone as we come before the Lord this morning. Psalm 146 says, Hallelujah. My soul praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Do not trust in nobles, in a son of man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground. On that day, his plans die. But happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever, executing justice for the exploited, giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Zion, your God reigns for all generations. Hallelujah. And Lord, we just thank you for this declaration. We thank you, Lord, that in a time of uncertainty, in a time that's unprecedented in our nation and in our world, we can declare the truths of who you are. God, we thank you that you are our helper. You are our hope. We look to the God of the universe who executes justice, who is faithful forever. And Lord, as we just declared the beauty of your majesty and your attributes and your ways, God, we just thank you for your word in Matthew 7 that, Jesus, you yourself said when we come before you and pray, that when we ask, that uh, you will be given. When we seek you, we will find. When we knock, it will be open for us. And so, Lord, this morning we are coming to the only source of life, to the only hope, to our only helper, which is the God of the universe. And God, we come before you today asking for more than anything, God, just your mercy to rain down on us. Lord, on this world, on this nation, in our city, God, we pray even right now, I know in our community and within our own congregation, there are those struggling that need healing. God, they need your power to touch them. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And so even this morning, those that may be struggling with various illnesses and even protection from this virus, God, we pray that you would intervene, that we would experience your peace and your strength during this time in such a special way. And God, for our Gateway family, as Pastor Grady is going to bring the word this morning to encourage us and to give us the hope of your word, Lord, I pray that we recognize, first and foremost, during this season, that it's a wonderful opportunity for us to draw closer to you in intimacy to look to you, to seek you by reading your word, by spending more time in prayer individually and with our families, God, with our children. God, I pray you would be uh, wisdom and discernment and guide and direct the times with our families, Lord, that we would gather together and draw closer to you during this time. And Lord, when we do have those moments when it's necessary to possibly be around family or at times have to go to the store or different situations, God, I pray we recognize and remember that we are called to be your ambassadors. We are called to be set apart. We as Christians have to have a different perspective and a kingdom view of this situation. And I pray that we recognize these times to be salt and light, to be vessels of hope, to be vessels that people can look to and hear truth, and to be encouraged and gather strength during this time of despair and tragedy and pain. 
But God, we look to you, sovereign king of the universe. We trust you with this. We acknowledge that you are in full control, that we do not come in fear, but we come in faith. And so, Lord, we also ask for special wisdom and guidance, supernatural wisdom during this season, Lord, for our government officials, for our president, for our Congress, for our state officials, our governor, our mayor, all those involved, God, to give them wisdom and direction and guidance during this time. I know many of us in the city and other places are struggling with fear, but God, I pray as we look to you, the God of all gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the sovereign creator of the universe, we can trust you in faith to know that you're in full control. And I do pray that our officials would look to you for wisdom and guidance. Lord, for our pastor, I thank you for Grady and his faithfulness to study your word, to read your word, to prepare this time, to encourage us. We pray, God, that you fill him afresh with your spirit, that you would encourage him, give him strength during this time. God, speak to him as he shares with us your word to bring encouragement and hope. We praise you again and thank you that you are faithful forever, that you're a good God, a loving God, a kind God, a just God. And we thank you for this opportunity to be here to encourage one another to lift you up and exalt the name of Jesus so the advancement of your kingdom and gospel go forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, CJ. Thank you for praying for the church body and grateful we get to spend this time together this morning. Now, we're going to pause our study of James. If you've been with us at Gateway, you know we've been spending the last 10 weeks working through James's epistle. We're going to pause that this morning to focus in over some issues we're facing as we walk through this trial. But I'm so thankful we've had these 10 weeks in James so far that we'll pick back up when we gather together again. As we walk through James, we've been warned of the reality of trials. The trials are, in fact, coming. And so the trials that we're walking through now, we've seen that we were going to face trials of many kinds. But we saw in that that there's the goodness of God, that God has promised to be with us through them, and God has promised to bring good out of these not good situations that we face. As he matures us in our faith and perfects us and completes us to be who he wants us to be. We've seen in James so far the promise of wisdom, and friends, we all need wisdom, even as CJ just prayed. And God has promised to give it to us when we've asked. As we've walked through James, we've seen as well the the promise that God is good in all things, and he gives good gifts to his children. We've seen so much in James that I pray has been a comfort to you. And even last Sunday as we gathered, we saw the challenge from the book of James, that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And friends, as we walk through the trials, there's so many opportunities to be fearful, yet we get to be doers by God's grace of his word. Where we do his word as we seek to trust him and to trust his goodness and to trust his sovereignty. And there's just so much I'm thankful that we've been seeing in these last 10 weeks as we go through James. <clears throat> but with that said, we're going to pause that this morning. And I want us to go back to the Psalms. If you were with us at Gateway last year, we spent six months walking through different Psalms. And I want us to go back to one of the Psalms we looked at six months ago, but particularly with a different focus on it this morning. One of the things that we loved about the Psalms and we grew to love as we studied them was how the Psalms deal with so many of our human emotions and so much of our human experience. And one type of Psalm, one genre of Psalms we looked at were what are called the Lament Psalms. Remember, lament just means sorrow. These are psalms that deal with the sorrows, the hardships, the sufferings, the trials of life in a broken and a fallen world. We're going to return to one of the lament psalms. So I want you to find in your copy of God's Word, Psalm number 73. Psalm 73. Pull it up on your Bible app or open up your copy of God's Word so you can read along with me. Friends, this is one of my favorite of all the psalms. This is a psalm that this past week has given me much hope much comfort, much much conviction, even much encouragement as we walk through how do we respond to the trial of the coronavirus around us. I pray it does the same for you this morning. Now, Psalm 73, let me remind you, if you were not with us when we looked at this one about six months ago, Psalm 73 is one of the psalms not written by King David. 
This is a psalm written by Asaph. Asaph was one of the worship leaders for King David. He was a man who led the people in the praise of God. So we're looking at a psalm written by a guy who led the king and the people in God's praises. But Asaph is very real here, very vulnerable and very honest with us because he was a man who struggled in his faith. And this morning he's going to show us his struggle, but show us how he turned to God and how he came through that. And I believe that's very timely for us. Friends, we looked at Psalm 73 before. We looked at all the verses of it, and we looked particularly at his struggle with envy. Today, we're not going to focus as much on his struggle with envy. We're going to focus more on how he turned to the Lord and how he walked through difficulties when life did not make sense to him. Because, friends, we're at a place where life doesn't make sense. We're at a place to where people around us are facing a sickness that we do not know how to treat, where we're seeing stories of people getting infected and sick and dying. And, friends, it can instill a lot of fear into us. And so as we read Psalm 73 this morning and talk through it, I want you to see how Asaph turned his focus, how Asaph changed as he encountered God. And the lesson I want us to learn from Asaph's life in Psalm 73 this morning is looking at how he turned from looking at his circumstances to how he turned to look to God. And so if you want a main idea for the morning like we normally give you when we gather together, the main idea of our text this morning is simply this. We need to turn our focus from our circumstances to God. Friends, we desperately right now need to turn our focus from our circumstances to God. We need to turn what we're looking at and thinking about and dwelling on and pondering from all that's going on around us to the God of the universe. And friends, that's hard. I don't pretend that's easy. When we turn on the news, when we scroll through social media, when we overhear conversations at the grocery store, everything we hear is about the circumstances, the fear, the situation of the coronavirus. But I want to show us this morning from Psalm 73 how Asaph is an example for us of how by God's grace... We can turn our focus from these circumstances to God himself. And God in his grace has given us this text and given us his word to realign us and to refocus us, to give us hope and to give us encouragement. So what I'm going to show you this morning are three things that Asaph, by God's grace, does to turn his focus back to God. And we'll look at the verses that go with each one. But number one, the first thing that we see Asaph doing here is he thinks about the goodness of God. He thinks about the goodness of God. Look at Psalm 73. Look at the very first verse, how he begins here. He says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Notice the very first word of the psalm. He says, truly, he is making a statement of belief. This is what the community of faith, Israel at the time, believed. They affirmed that God in his nature is good. And he's saying, I affirm that, I believe that, that truly, God is good to Israel, that God is good to his people. This is his affirmation of belief. Let me remind you, God's goodness is one of his attributes, one of his characteristics. It's a description of his nature. So what do we mean when we say that God is good? Well, that's a hard word for us to define, but I love how A.W. Tozer said it. He said, God's goodness is God is kind-hearted, gracious, good-natured, and benevolent in intention. God is not only infinitely good, he is perfectly good. So we think about who our God is, regardless of our circumstances around us, friends. God is kind-hearted to us. He is gracious to us. He is good-natured to us. He is benevolent to us. He is infinitely good, and in all he's doing, he is perfectly good. That's why we see later in the Psalms, in Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And friends, I want to remind us that when we affirm, like Asaph affirms here, this theological belief of the attribute of God, that God is good, that's not just some cold and personal truth. The goodness of God is very personal and should be very real to us. It should be our experience. If we are in Christ, we can experience the goodness of God. 
That's why Psalm 34, 8 tells us, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Friends, we can affirm like Asaph that God is good. And not just affirm, but we can experience, we can taste and see with our whole being, we can experience the goodness of God. And friends, isn't that what we saw in James when we were walking through James chapter 1? When CJ preached on these verses some weeks ago, I want to remind you of them. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Friends, God is good to us. He gives good gifts to us. As verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That if you're in Christ, you're experiencing every good gift from God and every perfect gift from God. That's what we saw when we studied Ephesians a year and a half ago, that we have every spiritual blessing, friends, in the heavenly places. And in his goodness to us, like we saw earlier in James chapter 1, he can take the not good things of the world, the not good things of these trials, and bring great good to us in us. As it says in James chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Friends, our God is so good. He can take the brokenness around us, the trials we face, and bring good to you and to me, to mature us in our faith, to create steadfastness in our lives. But James 1.16 warned us to do not be deceived. Because, friends, the reality is, as we're walking through trials like this, it is very, very easy for us to be deceived. It's very easy for us to lose sight of the goodness of God. And Asaph was struggling with that. He was losing sight of the goodness of God. So he reminds himself of the truth back in Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Friends, one of the blessings of technology is you have the ability to hit the pause button on your computer screen right now and pause this. And so if you're at home just watching this by yourself, can I encourage you to press pause for just a minute and just think about the goodness of God to you, how you've experienced the goodness of God, or perhaps if you're able to gather with family or friends this morning to hit pause and just have a short discussion for just a moment together of how have you experienced the goodness of God, not just how you know it in his nature, but how you've experienced the goodness of God. And take just a minute then to praise him for and to thank him for his goodness, how you've experienced that truly God is good to his people. Would you pause it and do that for just a moment? Friends, we need to turn our focus from our circumstances back to God. And one way Asaph models for us to do that is we reflect on the goodness of God, his attribute, his nature, but how he has shown that to us in our own lives. There's a second way that we see Asaph turning his focus from his circumstances back to God, and that is he pauses to praise God what we often call worship. He's pausing to praise God here. Look down at verse 16, about halfway through this psalm. He says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Now notice the word this. What is the situation, the circumstances of this for Asaph? Well, for him, he was looking at the prosperity of the wicked. He was was envying people who seemed to have a much easier life than him, and so he was struggling with his circumstances. Now for us, friends, this is very different. That this, for most of us right now, is the coronavirus. It's hard for us to understand what's happening around us. And many of us feel what Asaph feels in verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. And getting to talk to one of you this week, you were sharing with me how you've had to stop watching the news, have had to stop looking on social media because it's so burdensome for you and so wearisome. My friends, I think we all can identify with verse 16. When we seek to understand these circumstances, it seems to us to be a wearisome task. My friends, there's hope for us here 
in this. And the hope is not scrolling through trying to find another news article to give us hope from a different perspective. It's not to keep looking at social media. That's not where we're going to find hope. And you see what Asaph does here. His hope comes when he pauses from all the distractions and the circumstances and he focuses on worshiping God for who God is. Look at how verses 16 and 17 flow together here. He says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until, here's the big change, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. And verse 17 is the pivotal verse of this whole psalm. Everything for Asaph changed when he went into the presence of God, when he stopped all the distractions of his life, and he went into the sanctuary just to worship God for who God is. Don't you notice something here? Asaph doesn't go to get something from God. Now, friends, it's good for us to talk to God about our needs. It's good for us to go to God with our prayer requests, and he invites us to do that. He invites us to come before his throne of grace. But there's times when you need to go to God not to ask, but go to God just to worship him, to be with him, to praise him for who he is. Someone described it once as going to seek God's face, not to seek something from his hand. And that's exactly what Asaph does here. He goes to seek God's face, not to get something from his hand. And friends, so often when we talk to God, so often when we run to God in praise or in prayer, we're just trying to get stuff. We have a list of, God, I need you to do this, 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 and this in my situation. Again, friends, it's good for us to talk to God about it, but are we going to God just because we want to be with him, just because we want to glorify him? Nothing else. We just want to be in his presence. Friends, God is worthy of our praise on the good days and in the hard. God is worthy of our praise when life makes sense and when life doesn't make sense. And that's what Asaph does here. Life is not making sense to him, but he still pauses just to worship God for who he really is. I love how the, the British pastor in the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, described it. He talks about what Asaph does here, and he says, Asaph's mind entered eternity where God dwells in a holy place. His heart gazed within the veil. He stood where the thrice holy God stands. And friends, when we encounter God, when we go to worship God just for who he is, nothing else, it changes us. God gets the glory and we get transformed. Friends, we cannot be in the presence of God and remain unchanged. That's why the very last psalm in the psalm book, Psalm 150, commands us, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Friends, if we want to turn our focus from our circumstances to God, we need to just stop everything we're doing and just go and worship God for who he is. So again, friends, with the wonders of technology, you can push pause on your computer screen. And would you take just a moment where you're sitting with your family, your friends, or if you're by yourself, and just thank God for who he is, not going to him asking for things, but just to pause and to worship God, to think about his attributes, to think about his sovereignty, to think about his holiness, to think about his goodness, to think about his love and his mercy and his justice, and on and on we go, but just to praise God for who he is. And again, if you have the blessing of being with some friends or family this morning, why don't you pause and take a few minutes and talk about the attributes and the characteristics of God, and then just maybe even sing a song together. If you're not sure what to sing, Ashley, our worship leader, has put a blog post up that you can find on our website. It's got a list of four or five songs that you could sing together with the words provided for you so you can praise God for who he is. So would you hit pause and do that right now where you're sitting? Friends, we need to turn our focus from our circumstances back to God. Two ways Asaph has modeled that for us so far. He does that as he reflects on the goodness of God, his attribute, but also his experience. But Asaph also turns his focus from his circumstances back to God when he simply pauses and praises God for who he is. But there's a third way Asaph models for us how he turns his focus from his circumstances to God, and that is he pursues God's presence. 
So number three, he pursues the presence of God. Look at verse 23. This is amazing what Asaph says. He said, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Now, friends, I want you to notice something here. God's presence never left Asaph. God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere. So God had never departed from Asaph. But the problem was Asaph had turned and quit looking to God. God is always there. And where we are right now, whether or not you feel the experience of God's presence, God doesn't leave you. If you are in Christ, God is holding you, like we're told in in John's gospel, that no one can take you out of his hands, that God is with you. But for many of us in a Christ situation, we turn away and we quit looking to God and we start looking at these circumstances that can distract us so much. But friends, Asaph is reminded that God is with him and he remembers finally that God is there. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. But I want to remind you of something, friends. When we talk about God's presence, this, God's presence is not passive. God's not just sitting in the corner in a chair being like, well, at least they're not alone through the coronavirus. God's presence is very active. And I said, if you are in Christ, God's presence is active in this. Notice how active it is. Look at verses 23 and 24 here in Psalm 73. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You, past tense, you hold my right hand. Present tense, you guide me with your counsel. And then future tense, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. This is a beautiful poem that Asaph is crafting. Past tense, what God has done. Present tense, what he's still doing. And future tense, what he still will do in the way it's written in the Hebrew. Past tense, he says, God has held my right hand. This is a once for all completed action that if you are in Christ, that God is holding you and no one can snatch you out of his hand. No one can pull you away from God. No virus, no situation, no government, nothing can take you from God. If you are in Christ, that God is holding your right hand. But he also present tense, what he's doing right now. God is guiding you with his counsel. That if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you and you have the word of God and the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and brings it to life for you and illumines it and convicts you and encourages you and reminds you that God is right there dwelling with you. There's also future tense that says God will see you to glory. The friends, the trials that we're facing in this life are just a blip in the scope of all eternity when we will be with God forever when trillions upon trillions of years have passed and that's just the beginning where there's no more sickness, no more trials, no more coronavirus, no more sickness, no more temptation, when we see God with unveiled faces in all of his beauty and in all of his glory, that is what it is promising us to come, that God has held you and is holding you, that God is guiding you with his counsel today, and that he will receive you to glory. Friends, I hope that is comfort to you like it's comfort to Asaph when life doesn't make sense to realize that we have the presence of God. But that raises the big question for us, are we seeking it? God is there. He never leaves us. But are we looking to him? Are we wanting more of him? Are we seeking him? Or are we so distracted by the news and social media and our preparations and our quarantines and everything else that we're missing the fact that God is holding us, that God is guiding us, and God will bring us to glory? Friends, are we looking? Are we pursuing the presence of God with us? Friends, are we more consumed with the news or prayer? Are we spending more time on social media or in the word of God right now, with the unchanging truth that can give life to our soul when the circumstances around us do not make sense. Friends, God is with us. Are we remembering that as we walk through this trial? Are we desiring that? And friends, are we having the peace that comes from that? Once again, can I ask you to hit the pause button on your computer in just a minute? And would you take just a minute to pray? And to thank God that he is always with you, that he has never left you. To thank God that he's holding you, that he's guiding you, and that he will receive you into glory one day. Would you thank him for that? But would you also, as you pray, 
ask God to increase your desire, to give you grace to long for more of his presence, to give you grace to not be focused on the circumstances, but be focused on him, to give you grace to have an increase of longing and desire and hunger to know him. Would you pause and pray that for just a minute? Friends, we need to turn our focus from our circumstances back to God. The three ways that Asaph models that for us as he thinks about God's goodness he pauses from the busyness and distraction life just to praise God for who God is. And then he pursues more of God's presence in his life. And I want you to see the difference it makes in Asaph's life. I want you to see a before and after. And this psalm paints for us a beautiful before and after picture that shows what God's grace does in our life. Go back to verse 2 and 3. Look at how Asaph was struggling at the beginning. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Friends, Asaph is looking at circumstances and he's dealing with envy, he's dealing with anger, he's dealing with jealousy. Friends, he even begins to doubt God. Remember, this is a worship leader for King David and for God's people. Look at this. Look at verses 13 and 14. And this is him talking to God. He says, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. He's questioning the goodness of God. But do you realize the hope that gives us? that no matter what we've dealt in the last week or two with fear or insecurities or doubt or questions, that God in his grace is drawing us back to him. And God in his grace wants to change us like it changed him. Look at verse 25. Look at how he was changed here. Verse 25 of Psalm 73 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Now, friends, notice something here. Asaph's circumstances never changed. The wicked were prospering just as much as before he started this psalm. Nothing changed around him in his circumstances, but he went from envying them to being satisfied in God alone. He was so drastically changed as he remembered the goodness of God, as he paused to praise God, as he just pursued more of God's presence. He was so drastically changed. By this. Even when nothing outside changed in his circumstances, he changed in his heart. And, it's so, and he changed so much that he could say, there's nothing, nothing, nothing on earth that I want besides you. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and makes a stunning declaration in the next verse. And I pray verse 26 can be true for each of you, brothers and sisters, and true for me as well. This would be, no matter what we're walking through with uncertainty of the trials we're walking through, this would be true for us. Verse number 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Portion means contentment, satisfaction, all he needs. Do you hear what Asaph is saying? He went from being so focused on his circumstances to where he was consumed by that and wanting all that to now he doesn't want anything besides God. He says, even if my flesh and my heart fail, and friends, that's a sobering reminder for us that God has never promised that if we're following Christ, we won't get sick from this or even die from this. God has never promised an easy life. We saw that in James 1. He's promised that we will face trials. Friends, God's plan for you and me, as I've said many times, is not to get us from birth to death in the safest, happiest, easiest, most comfortable, richest way possible. God's plan is to conform us to Christ's likeness. God's plan is to glorify himself through us as he fills us with his presence and gives us his joy. And Asaph gets that. He says, even if my flesh and my heart fail, God is my strength and God is my portion, my complete contentment. Friends, as we walk through the trials of life and everything changing around us, can we say that Asaph said here, can we say that my confidence is in God? We're putting our confidence in our quarantine strategy. Friends, is our confidence in the hope that our government's going to fix things and give us money and try to control this, or our hope that God is sovereign and ruling? Friends, is our, our ultimate goal our own health? Is our ultimate goal the glory of God and knowing him and making him known? 
Is our strength coming from our wisdom or our personality? Or I don't worry, I've got this figured out. Is our strength coming like from Asaph says, from God alone? Can look at verses 25 and 26 again. Just hear it. This is what I pray that our hearts will be like as we walk through this trial. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Friends, you and I need to turn our focus from our circumstances to God. Why? Because God is all we need, like Asaph found here. Well, there's one last example from Asaph at the very end, and I don't want us to miss it. Because, friends, when we turn by God's grace, we turn our focus from our circumstances back to God, and we find hope, and we find joy, and we find peace and satisfaction and contentment. We find trust, and we find stability, even when the world is unstable around us. It's not to stop there. We now have a responsibility to point others to that hope as well. Look at the very last verse of this psalm, verse 28. It said, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. And notice there's no period here. He doesn't stop here. He's made the Lord God his refuge. He's experiencing the goodness of God. Why? Last line there. So that I may tell of your works. You see what Asaph does? When he turns his focus from his circumstances to God and he finds peace and joy and contentment and hope and stability and all the trials of life, he realizes he has a responsibility to tell other people how great God is. Friends, this week, by God's grace, as you worship God for who he is, as you pursue more of his presence, as you dwell on and think about the goodness of God, who are you going to share that with? Who are you going to point to that, others to that as well? Who are you going to speak to about the goodness of God? and the sufficiency of God, and the hope in God, even when the world around us seems so uncertain. Friends, perhaps it's another believer. And I really hope, even though we can't gather on our Bell Road campus, I hope you'll be intentional this week to pursue other believers in the church family, other believers you know in the community. Because everyone is struggling in different ways through this trial right now, friends. And we all need to be reminded of the goodness of God in this. We need to be reminded of the sovereignty of God over all these things and how God is working to bring good out of this in our lives and for his glory and for his kingdom purposes. So who can you encourage this week? Friends, if you're a member of Gateway, I want to remind you, you have an online directory of every member at Gateway with phone numbers and emails and contact information. Just go to gatewaybaptist.com slash directory. If you're a member, you'll be able to log in and access that. Friends, who this week is God putting on your heart to send a letter to to send a text message to, to email, to call, to send a social media message to, just to encourage them, to remind them of the truth of who God is and his control of all things. I hope you'll pursue community with one another through those means we have this week. Friends, also in God's sovereign plan, he's put people in our lives who don't have this hope, who are panicked or they're trusting in their own wisdom and their own ways, and they don't understand the hope that comes from being able to say, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. Because who has God put in your life this week? He wants you to share the hope of Christ with. Is it a neighbor, a coworker, even a relative? God has placed these people in our lives for a reason that we might, as Asaph said here, that we might tell of all his works. Friends, people around us are struggling with mortality. They're struggling with how frail life is. And people who normally don't stop to think about eternity are having to come face to face with that. Let's, by God's grace, seize the opportunity this week to encourage one another, but also to make Christ known to those around us. I pray that God gives us much grace this week to turn our focus from our circumstances to him, because if we do that, we'll find great joy. His kingdom will advance. His church will be built up, and we can see God move in the midst of all these situations. Friends, I miss being face-to-face with you. It's not the same preaching to a camera 
as it's preaching to all of you gathered together. It's not the same not being able to shake your hands and give you hugs and talk to you in the halls. I miss all of that today. But yet I'm so thankful that God's word is unchanging. And through God's grace and the technology that's there today that we can gather together electronically and still open the unchanging word of God together, still pray together for one another. And I pray now that you'll grab those opportunities to still stay in touch with one another and keep being the body of Christ to one another and God's witnesses to those around us. And I pray this week, friends, that by God's grace at work in your life, as the Holy Spirit stirs up these desires in you, that you will day by day be reminded of God's goodness, that you will day by day stop, not wait till next Sunday, but day by day worship God, praise Him, get together with family and friends, or just as you're driving down the road, sing to God of how great He is, and that you will seek more of God's Word, that will seize the free time that's opened up for us with less busy lives and redeem that by spending more time in the Word, spending more time in prayer, spending more time talking to one another for the means that we have and to build community for His purpose. And I pray God will give us grace to keep being the church in the midst of these trials. Would you pray with me, friends? Father, our hearts are filled with thankfulness that you are on your throne, that you're sovereign, that you're ruling, that you're reigning, that none of this happening around us has caught you off guard. And we're so thankful that you're guiding us, even as it said in the psalm here, that you're guiding us with your counsel. Lord, I pray you keep doing that. Lord, we need such wisdom to know how to keep being the church when we're physically separated, to know how to be your ambassadors to the community around us who's hurting right now. Lord, give us the wisdom we need to be your ambassadors. Lord, I pray for each of the precious brothers and sisters in the Gateway family that today you have filled their hearts with peace. That, Lord, if the enemy is trying to deceive and the enemy is trying to trip them up with fear or doubts or insecurities or worry or anything else, that today by your grace and your word and your Holy Spirit working within them, you'll give them supernatural peace. That the peace of God will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus, their Lord. Lord, I pray as we experience that, that there'll be a great joy in our lives. They'll lead even others around us to ask what the hope is that we have. They'll be ready to give an answer for that hope within us. And Lord, as you do all these things, Lord, our desire is that you would be glorified, that your name would be known, that your kingdom would advance right here in Montgomery. Lord, so that you get all the glory and we get all the joy. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday afternoon, Gateway family.